Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Jury came back with a verdict yesterday into the trial of Deirdre Morley and she was found not guilty of her children's murder by reasons of insanity. So all of the papers talk of it today. The red tops on the front pages. So we've got the sun here, front of the stars, well, and indeed the mirror. D loved the kids. Heartbroken dad, whose wife killed their three children, declared last night. D loved her kids. Andrew McGinley spoke out after Deirdre was found not guilty by reasons of insanity of the murder of Connor, age nine, Dara, seven and three-year-old Carla. Uh, It's absolutely beyond tragic and the inside pages of the paper go through the court case and relive again the events of those tragic days and indeed um, the uh, previous years of her very, very difficult and troubled life. Um, The papers also carry an awful lot of social media photographs of the family. Um, Most of them, if not all of them, just feature dad and the three kids Interestingly, papers this morning on Lisa, of course, talk of the Debenhams industrial dispute coming to an end after 406 days. Um, The staff wanted the three million and more turned into cash where they would be given um, a proper package to get on with their lives. Um, Unfortunately, that did not happen. But the majority of former employees voted nonetheless to accept this training fund of of three million. It's a story that makes the examiner today. Debenhams industrial dispute ends 406 days. And Valerie Conlon, one of the um, ex-Debenhams workers uh, and the shop steward at Debenhams, says that she's very proud of all of the workers who not only fought for themselves, but showed the rest of Ireland what can be done when a group of workers get together. And of course, they picketed day in, day out in all sorts of weather. Uh, and it's it's good to say that if nothing else, they certainly had the support of Corkonians. So more on that story, perhaps a little later on this morning. Um, there is uh, an interesting court case that came to a close yesterday. And that was the court case before uh, Judge Shauna Donovan. It's the front of the echo today, where a sentence of three years with the last year suspended was handed out to Noel Barry from Toker at the Circuit Criminal Court. Uh, in fact, the mother of Cameron Blair, the student who was murdered by a teenager in, in Cork City last January, um, described how she had to live. It's, it's bad enough trying to live and deal with your life after the loss of a son, but also uh, with the, the knowledge and the worry that another son might be lost because of the death threats the family received uh, months after um, the death of their son, Cameron They described it as cruelty beyond uh, belief Uh, and the papers this morning talk of the threat and it was a phone call that lasted 44 seconds in which Barry said, uh, you better be standing, uh, this was a phone call to Noel Blair, you better be standing beside your wife and other son with a fire extinguisher, they will be burned at the petrol station, Uh, your family will never be safe uh, for years, the caller went on to say that a loyalist should never threaten a Republican. So cru- described in the Echo this morning as cruelty beyond belief. Um, another story before the courts also was Joshua Allen uh, from Shanagari. He, he was pleading not guilty to the charge of possession of cannabis. Now, the sorry, cocaine. The cocaine was deemed to be worth, had a street value of about 280 euro. It was a little baggy, you know, the plastic baggies of cocaine. He lost that case in in court yesterday. It's been adjourned until July now, and he was remanded on bail until the next court appearance. And because he had previous convictions for drug-related offences, I believe that the worry or concern now for him would be that the suspended part of the previous sentence 
might be revoked and he may have to go back and serve the rest of the, the prison term. But we'll, we'll have to see what happens in court there. And Ian Bailey makes the Southern Star this week. There is a, a new, apparently, there's a new episode of the Audible podcast, West Cork. Going to hope to maybe listen to it at the weekend. I certainly thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed uh, the West Cork podcast in full uh, over the past couple of years. Perhaps you did too. Perhaps you don't know about it and probably should listen to it. But the Southern Star says this morning, uh, and as an interview uh, with Bailey, where he says that uh, Drew Harris should reopen the case into the brutal murder of Sophie Toscan de Planty in 1996 because uh, her death and all of those years following it has ruined his life. Uh, he says that uh, um, the trial, of course, that went on in Paris he calls it a bonfire on a pyre of lies. It was a witch hunt, a show trial. He he says in the Southern Star that DNA was found on a boot and he never knew that. And he says, I know that there was forensic evidence that was indicative of the fact that I wasn't involved. Uh, but the fact that there was male DNA found on a boot that I never knew about, it needs to be reinvestigated. In fact, this morning, the Star pick it up. Um, with Bailey saying, I should have been cleared, he says, as it emerges a man's blood was on her boot. Um, it's very interesting because he's furious over unchecked DNA. That makes the papers today, particularly the story that broke uh, on the Southern Star. And I know that there has been an encryption key given uh, to the HSC by the cyber gangsters who were looking for 20 million euro ransom uh, to, um, you know, to go away, I suppose. It's a free key. Um, it's peculiar, isn't it? Why would you give a free key to unlock all of the data if you weren't just taunting the people whose data that you had in the first place in the sense of, if I'm giving you the free key, uh, but I will be back. I'm just giving you this to just show you how powerful we actually are. So that makes many of the papers today, particularly this decryption tool offered to the HSE from the cyber attackers. But the Echo today has, um, you know, case histories of those who have been affected by this, uh, by this um, cyber attack hack. And one of them is uh, Jill Byrne and her son, Keen Byrne. He was supposed to have an MRI scan today, but it was cancelled due to the, the hack. And it's taken forever now, even to admit people into hospital these days. Say normally it might take an hour. It can take maybe three or four hours now without computerized systems. There's a lot then to do with travel and COVID-related issues. Unfortunately, the Ironman in Yall has been cancelled this year. It will happen next year instead. They're saying about a third of all hotel rooms are now booked up for July. So that's hotels. Good luck if you're trying to get yourself a holiday home or a bungalow or a cottage because they've just been absolutely snapped up. And foreign holidays keep moving step closer because the European Union has reached a deal, although we heard this yesterday as well, a deal on a digital COVID certificate that should open summer travel across the European Union. Uh, I don't know what the story is there, whether we're on board or not. It's very confusing. But again, something that we dealt with on the year months back, uh, and this was something mentioned by uh, Paddy O'Brien at the time, the examiner's story of... Um, the uh, good people at the age charity alone saying that elderly people over the past 12 months felt so lonely that they were sending letters to themselves so that the um, so that the postman would, or the postperson I suppose would call and then um, while many people uh, are in jeopardy with regards to income and job security um, not everybody's been negatively impacted by uh, the coronavirus. The Independent, the, smart, the English, the Indi- English Times this morning has the rich list of uh, those who have um, just got richer and richer 
over the past 12 months. I may come back to this later on because they break it down to male billionaires and female billionaires. And they also show uh, the different industries and professions that they're in. Like the, the richest, richest woman is Charlene de Cavallo. And she is the heir and the brains behind Heineken. She's worth 12 billion euro. In the, um, there's a German industrialist worth 7.1 billion. But it's interesting because the person who is second highest with regards to new billionaires is a fellow called Dennis Svedlov. And uh, how do you make his money? Electric vehicles. But third on the list is gaming. Uh, imagine this is games, apps, Maybe gambling and stuff like that. But it's a long, rich list. I'll come back to it later on. And, of course, the, the big story in the UK at the moment is uh, the BBC's lying and the BBC's cover-ups and the lying as well of Martin Bashir, the scandal involving the interview that her brother uh, believes led two years later to the ultimate death of Diana, Princess of Wales. And Graham Norton, our own bit of royalty. His best-selling novel, Holding, is being turned into a television series. Uh, and it's going to be filmed in Ireland, and it's been commissioned by ITV. I mean, that guy just goes from strength to strength. Well done to him. The Neil Prenderville Show. Okay, one of the downsides, of course, to coronavirus, of course, in the pandemic, is that somebody's got to pay. The story in The Independent this morning says, income tax, property taxes need to rise to pay for our pandemic spending. The Independent this morning, courtesy of the ESRI, breaks down exactly the areas where money could be recouped in yet more taxation. Depressing, isn't it? Probably shouldn't even mention it on a Friday morning, but they are breaking it down as to, of course, obviously, all rates of tax would have to go up uh, by 1% at least. They're also talking about increasing the property tax. The USC would probably go up. They'd hammer even more inheritance taxes. VAT, they're saying, could go up by 1%. And they could get rid of all sorts of relief when it comes to people's pensions. And that's only for starters, lads. That's only for starters. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850-104106. And you can also contact us by email to neil at redfm.ie. It's Friday. We're heading in to the weekend. Last weekend on Side was a very busy one in town. And I'm not talking about people retailing and, and buying shopping. It was socializing. There were big numbers of people on Side, um, And I think a lot of it can be weather related. But I certainly know that down the Keys, right across the weekend, it was very busy. Down around the Marina Market was very busy. Around Gold, Goldbergs was busy at the weekend. But more importantly, Oliver Plunkett Street, the Grand Parade, Bishop Lucy Park, the Peace Park, areas around Washington Street. And interestingly, behind Reardon's, huge amounts of people gathered. I'm just wondering whether that's going to happen again this week as we get weekend. I know we're getting closer and closer to changes, you know, D-Day, 2nd, for the 2nd of June for the hotels, 7th of June for outdoor dining and drinking, and then mid-July for pubs, they hope, uh, traditional pubs, certainly outdoors, maybe even indoors. But Jerry Butterman was quoted, the Senator Jerry Butterman was quoted earlier in the week as saying that Cork City is at the moment quite a frightening place. Well, he was told this by one businessman, quite a frightening place to be from. Uh, in fact, Jerry Butterman was quoted on the front of the Echo as saying that Cork City is becoming a no-go area for many people, uh, feeling threatened uh, and worried in the city centre by gangs of youths. He says that we don't want to be looking forward to a summer of discontent. Joins me by phone. Jerry. good morning. Good morning, Neil, and thank you for having me on the programme. Any of the descriptions that you've given, have you seen any of this with your own eyes? 
Well, I've seen some of it myself, Neil. Um, I suppose I'm a member of the City Joint Policing Committee and I've, I've been very involved in, in, in raising the issue uh, of the need for three things. First of all, a, a greater uh, Garda presence, which we do have, and I think we should commend our Garda Shikana, and they have a very strong city centre strategy, which encompasses many issues. Secondly, I've been strong in the advocacy for community Garda, and then thirdly, it, it is the fact that we collectively must take personal responsibility. Um, I, I have received a number of... No, no, I didn't ask any of that. You went off on a tangent yeah, there to a question. I said, have you oh, seen I, it with your own eyes? It's a simple I have, question. I have, yeah. yeah. I, have seen, I have seen a lot of things with my own eyes in terms of the, the on-street drinking, the, um, I suppose, the congregation of people around town. And, and it, isn't, it isn't that I am seeking to be a populist or to raise an issue to scare people or to get publicity. What I want to see happen here, and you alluded to in your opening remarks, that we're beginning to reopen the country. Cork City Council have pedestrianised over 16, 17 streets in our city to make our city a more livable, a more uh, inclusive place where people can come in and dine and and recreate. Uh, And I want to see in tandem with that, uh, our city a welcoming place, a place where people can feel safe. And I'm 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 old enough to know that, or you know, there there has always been issues around our city in terms of crime, in terms of antisocial behaviour. But what we must try and do, Neil, is to ensure that there is an element of personal responsibility that traders and those who live in our city and remember. Our city now is becoming more livable. There's more people living in the island, there's more people living in the city, uh, that it's a safe place to be. And I'm, I'm, I'm advocating and, and asking for, for a number of things because it is important that this conversation, uh, one is a relationship with alcohol and drugs. Secondly, it is, is how we can share the public spaces of our city. There are people, Neil, for a variety of reasons, imaginary or not, uh, who feel unsafe, who feel that our city is not welcoming, uh, that there's too much antisocial behaviour going on uh, and then there are those who feel that we we're not doing enough as a society for young people uh, so that they that they have to come into the city and, and use places for example like Bishop Lucy Park or Fisters Park or around the Grand Prairie or Punker Street to congregate But they're 14 and, and months now being asked to sit in their hands it's impossible for that to happen these are like these are genuine young people who don't make any trouble they just want to hang out have a few beers with their friends the gang culture that's completely separate Absolutely, and I, and I, let me make it quite clear. I'm not in any way pigeonholing or saying that you are right. Young people have had, as have many, as have all of us, had our civil liberties restricted, and we understand that. But but there now comes a time as we reimagine and re-enter post-COVID um, that we, we, we must, in my opinion, have this conversation about how we can share our public space. And I'll give you two examples. Uh, first of all, Finnegan Councils and Cork City Council under Councillor Dieter Ford and Shane O'Callan have put down a motion regarding um, antisocial behaviour to have a, a, to have an active debate with actions arising from it. So you take two examples. You take suburbia, you take Balancholic Regional Park, you take the Magdala, you take the North Side, or you take wherever. There are young people gathering there, causing, in many cases, no harm other than going drinking. And, 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 and secondly, then, you take the city centre in terms of young people. So how can we engage with young people to ensure uh, that, that people who want to walk down the city streets can enjoy the local park don't feel threatened, don't feel they're going to be attacked, which they're not going to be many... It's very, it's very simple, actually, isn't it? More guards on the beat, more police yeah, okay. presence. And, 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 and we've done that. We've seen, we've seen you know, the 620 new guards recruited. We've seen 500 people taken out of, civi- out of the Garda offices into civilisation, so we've more people being employed. And we've seen a higher budget 
record of three billion in Gary Shikana. But I'll pose the question to you. Can you have a guard at every street corner? Can you have a guard in every area? You can't. And here's my, here's part of what we... But there are only particular flashpoints. I mean... No, it, it isn't just flashpoints, don't leave. You see, we, we're focusing on the flashpoint, but it's not just about the flashpoint. Like Barry McPaul made a good point recently where he said there are, there, there are, there are parents dropping their kids to town and away they go. Can I just quote what he actually said? He said, people... Children, families, and cars. Oh, this is Thomas Gould first, right? He said, people, children, families, and cars have been violently, violently attacked, resulting in some families walking out, locking the doors of their homes, and leaving because they feel so intimidated and fearful with regards to gang behavior and housing estates. Barry McPoland then went on uh, to have a go, or at least I should say criticism, of um, parents. He said that the, it was the parents that were irresponsible who were dropping their children into the city centre to go drinking. Is that what you were going to quote? That was his... He said 550... Yeah. He said 554 fines were handed out in Cork West and 769 in Cork North. He went on to say that 2,000 fines were imposed by the Gardaí in Cork City. Um, fines don't seem to work, though, and that, that doesn't even mean that the fines will ever be paid. No, and, and here's... See, it's not a black and white issue, but, and, and what I want to see us do as a society is to have... And, and I think it's important, and you've highlighted in your show a number of times, the relationship with alcohol, the relationship with drugs. There is no quick-fix solution here. There is no one silver bullet. It's a complex matter that requires buy-in from, from, from a whole-of-society approach. Um, and, but if the cheap super of the Gardaí is saying it's the parents' fault, we need to listen to well, him. We do, and and that's why that's why I, I, I'm having this conversation on your radio program this morning because it, it isn't just about as people say having a guard of presence. To be fair, we have a very strong city centre policing strategy. Um, they have upped the, the the numbers in the city. They have re-engaged in terms of community policing, and 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 the model of policing has has changed significantly. Whether it's the use of social media, whether it's inter- intervention with, with with CIE in terms of you know, a bus error, in terms of you know getting on the buses and different points to, to to look at what's happening. And and my comment to you and and what prompted me was over the weekend, I got a number of texts from people who were not given to hyperbole, who were not necessarily you know, rushing to judgment, but we're concerned for themselves and for the city. Um, and, and that's why I think as a member of the city policing committee and as a... As a but as the a, people that were concerned, were they the business community, retailers, is it? It was a combination of, 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 of family people who are business people and people who work in the city uh, and who who were in their who were in the city for the first time in a long time yeah. uh, and, and, and were appalled at what they saw. And I had so, people on the air, actually, who also were in there and it stays bright until late at night and some were in there with their children and they just legged it out of it. But that was because of yobs and gangs and troublemakers and underage drinking and people who were acting the fool and banging cars and, you know, just fighting with each other. That's all ga- gang-related is that what you're talking about? Because the rest of those in, that are in there, the rest of those that are in there just want to meet their friends. They're just, they're genuine young people. And, and that is a very fair point. And, and as part of my, of, my, of my debate about this is that we need to engage with young people to see how we as a city and how we, and how we as a society can, can make their life better for them and to see what opportunities we can, we can present to them. Because not everybody plays sport. Not everybody's engaged in, in, in activity like that, uh, and and we have we, we you know we have we have a new youth 
justice strategy being launched, which is a new community fund being part of it. And, and, and we can't put everything on the schools, Neil. There's an element of personal responsibility that Barry McPoland referenced, and I agree with him. We, and my point is that, you know, our behaviour as a society... I mean, I'll give... I'll but hang on a second. You see, the common sense of it would be that if you had somebody was underage, acting the maggot in town, right, engaging in boisterous behaviour or fighting or underage drinking, who can't be touched by the courts, why can't the parents be fined? Well, I, I've made that point before and I got criticised for it in the context of parenting classes for, for, for parents. If that happens, if there's a, a period, if there's a number of... of, of anti-social instance that parents would go for parenting classes because I, 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 I'm not a parent Neil but I, I, I have spent time in the classroom and I have spent time uh, with my nephews and nieces and, and, and involved in, in, in society and life that there are some parents who, 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 who opt out uh, and, and you know they do let their kids wander around but it's not just about, it's not, it isn't just about young people and I don't want it to be about that it's about our whole of society approach to our city we, we're expanding our city uh, and, and it's about making it more livable. And, and I have to commend Council Deirdre Ford and Shane O'Callaghan in, in, in City Council for their motion and for their proactivity in this as well. It, to me, it's, it's about ensuring that we can have a safer and a, and, and a better Cork City. We all have a right to walk down our streets, enjoy our public parks without the fear that exists in some people's minds uh, of being, you know, abused or being, of, of, of being attacked. And that's, that's a smaller element, maybe, but it's it's becoming more and more prevalent in our city, and okay. I want to see us eliminate that. Okay, so all of these motions and debates are one thing. None of those, though, will have any difference when it comes to what you want, that the summer will be a safe one and not a summer of discontent. What should happen to prevent it not being a summer of discontent? Well, well, I think there's a couple of things that should happen. First of all is that by having a conversation like we're having on your program by highlighting it and by ensuring that people, you know, are are able to um, come into the city. I think two, a number of things. One, obviously in tandem with what we're talking about on Gardaí Chicago, I have a critical role. Um, the whole area around the, 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 the city centre policing strategy. Um, and, and I do agree that the presence of on Gardaí Chicago must be visible. It is visible, but I think we can see an enhanced community guard presence. And I commend the community guard who are doing Trojan work. So what I is it? That's confusing. You're happy with the amount of guards, or you want more? Which is it? Well, no, no. I, I, what I want to see is 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 is, is visibility on our streets, um, so that we can ensure there is a guard presence. Secondly, is from central government that on Garda Shikana are given greater powers to deal with antisocial behaviour, you know, whether it's in terms of public space protection, whether it's in terms of, you know, the drinking in the street, we have a city council bylaw that, that, that should be, and I appreciate that we are in a pandemic and I support the takeaway points for publicans who want to make an attempt to make money. And Even when those that are taking away the pints are drinking them in the city you're still okay with well, that? Well, I, I'm okay with them having it, but I'm not okay with, with, with blatant disregard of the rules of the city council bylaws. But I do understand it's an exceptional there time. Happy, there, there is a there is a happy medium, and it is an exceptional time, and, and our publicans have been hit profoundly. Then there's the whole issue around juvenile diversion programs, and and that's why I think the the, the Garda Youth Divisional projects are, are so important that, that we. But that we, clearly, that we none of that's working. Them. If things are just getting worse, we've had those. Well, it does work. It is working. Early intervention and preventative work is critical. 
in, in tandem with that, Neil, the issue around family and the role of the family and parents is important. Uh, and, and it isn't the one-dimensional approach here. And, and I'm not in any way trying to be populist or in any way trying to, 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 to create an impression that everything is, is wrong. There's lots of work being done. But what we need to see is, is a harnessing uh, of, of all of the activities that have been done to support our city being a better and a safer place. And yes, but a lot of that gangland activity and, and messing and thuggery and fighting and making it uncomfortable for other people, that's tolerated way too much. What people really want to see is that those characters are just taken out of circulation. Uh, they're, they're not only just that, but their parents are punished. They just want, it, they want a tougher reaction to things. That's what people really want, you know? Yeah, and that sounds that sounds great, and 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 I accept a lot of what you're saying, but it, and it is true that there is a need for action, and that's why I'm saying that it it isn't just about one thing; it's about a compendium of approaches that can make our city a better place. Like city council have done a huge amount of work in making our city, in reimagining our city, uh, and and wouldn't it isn't it wrong of us as a society that we put our, we sit in our hands and don't walk in tandem to make our city a better place. When, when, you have, when we have 17 streets pedestrians, we're going to have outdoor dining, although with the weather we're having, you'd imagine we wouldn't be having any. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, and my point is about having this conversation, and it also starts with the personal lead, with, with the person, and, with, and, and not just asking others to, to do it. It's about all of us together working to, to, to create a better place. Let's see what the public think of this and whether they feel the city is safe or unsafe or whether they're concerned for the weeks and months ahead. Senator, thanks for taking the call. Senator Jerry you, Bottomer, your calls are welcome. one 850 text 0868-104-106. Do you visit the city? How do you feel about it? Are you apprehensive going in by day or by night? Have you seen a change for the better or the worse? And I'm not talk, talking about the infrastructure now. I'm talking about the social aspects of it. Uh, and also... Um, you know, have you been in at the weekends and would it be somewhere that you would go? Text 0868104106. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. In spite of everything, it is the weekend, and again, it's another free food Friday start to the weekend, courtesy of ourselves an Oak Fire Pizza, real wood fire pizza now, and you can uh, collect some pizza for yourself or indeed win some of vouchers and then go and get your pizza at Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Gillabby Street, and new location coming soon at the East Village in Douglas. So we'll have three winners again this morning, and each of you will receive four large pizzas with sides, the biggest pizzas. All right, so so text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106 and we'll start the shout outs in about 15 20 minutes time text 0868 104 106 who you are and where you are and you could be one of our free food friday winners this morning so go for that a uh, lot of texts and emails and i will come back to them but donald's been holding so let's just do a call and then some emails and text donald good morning good morning Neil. how are you doing i'm good um the city no go area or not Neil, listen to me. I'll tell you, I find it hard to have to listen to Jolly Bottomer coming on there this morning trying to relaunch his political career again. Um, is that what, he, is that what he's doing? Is that what he's I doing? I think so, yeah. I think you stopped him quickly there before he started it, but I mean, he, he got onto the subject that he came on about then because you put him on the track. But basically, Neil, listening to him talking this morning, it's as if uh, the stuff that's happening in the city centre had only started happening just recently. That's been going on for years, Neil, and where was Johnny, like, when communities were having problems with similar types of behaviour? Is it the business community that Johnny is on representing this morning and calling for 
more policing just for the city centre because ah uh, well you know, I kind of no I had to kind of drag that out of him to be honest but uh, eventually I think he did uh, acknowledge he, that. listen I was thinking exactly as you were thinking so we're both thinking we must be thinking right because we were both thinking on the same line that was for the business community he's on this morning why wasn't he behind a community group there uh, and, and that when when they'd be calling for more policing in in, in the community around the city why is it the city centre only so the problem is everywhere. Yeah, yeah, but the numbers, though, the volume, you know, the, the the video footage that we've seen over the past couple of months, much of it has to do with the city centre. The gangs roaming down the Grand Parade, um, that was all city centre. What, what, what would be causing that kind of behaviour, mate? Uh, lack, of, lack of parental monitoring, I would think. Uh, yeah, and lack of, lack of policing and availability of alcohol. I mean, is Jory, does Jory not know what the, the solutions to the problems are? Is well, he on here asking us for solutions to well, the problems? Well, well what, 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 is, what is, like, bar, bar the abolition of alcohol, which will never happen? Yeah, but Jory is on as a politician, and he's talking like uh, an individual in the community, like that's having a terrible time with all this kind of behaviour. And, like, he's, he's the one that, that, that should be doing something about not on, on air complaining. Well, it, it started in the Shannon. He stood up in the Shannon and he called for a debate on antisocial behaviour. Yeah, he says that... It's a populist thing now to do, Neil. I mean, it's populist because of the very fact that kids are going to be coming out now into the city, having been locked up for so long, and there's going to be a bit of... Like, there's a good, a good thing to latch on to now at the minute. Um, why didn't he latch on to it all the years that it's been happening why, why hasn't he been coming out and talking like this all down through the years when, when the city may, maybe the maybe he's the seen the video footage of the throngs of people in the city and maybe he's okay. seen the video footage of the fighting in the city and the people peeing in the fountain in the city and stuff but like he's that only, has he only started to see that now well it's been going on for years yeah, many, but many yeah, but it's a, it's a lot more visual now, and you actually actually see it on social media, recorded on people's phones and loaded up on the. Neil, as a, Neil, Neil, as a, political, as a political figure, he should be seeing all those things where I have to see him on video. He should be taking a stroll through the town long before now and 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 analysing what's going on in the city. Isn't that what politicians are supposed to? Do? Okay, so you and believe he's being populist um, and at best standing up for the business community. Absolutely, absolutely, okay. and trying to relaunch his political career. That's that's basically what Jory is at this morning. Jory, Jory really doesn't get behind communities. I, I, I haven't heard of Jory Bottomer for a long, long time. What's he on about now? Is there some? Is there some political? Is there some election coming up or something that Jory is trying to relaunch? No, he's he's in the he's in the Shannon. They stand up in the Shannon. They give speeches in the Shannon. That, that's yeah, the speeches. Neil, I, like I'm making a speech. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's making speeches. What's he actually doing? What's what? what like the chief super said. The, the chief super. Tangible. The chief super blames irresponsible parents, many of whom drop their kids into town at the weekends or at night. This so weekend I, coming, you'll have people in cars dropping their sons and daughters in with booze. Now can I tell you? Twenty years ago, I ran. I can't remember who the superintendent was at the time, but I, in fact, it may, it may have been the same man. Would he have been there that long? Possibly not twenty years ago, but. No. Well, I rang in the chief superintendent of, of, of the guards many, many years ago about what was happening in our city centre, and he he directed me over to some place over by the city hall. And when I went in, and he directed me to people in there to sit down and have a chat with them about it. When I went in, they were actually connected to the to the, the Cock Business Association or the Business Association. I can't remember which. 
and they really were just sniggering at me mm. because of my views on, on the state of the drinking in the city and the way people were behaving in the city. And that was 20 so years ago, and it's, and it's got... 20 years behind, tell him. Okay, and it's got progressively worse. Absolutely, and Jory hasn't been saying too much about it all along. Okay. Just pop the snow at the minute. Go on, Eli. Thanks, Donald. Here's some text on this. If the city was so, so bad, why are they doing outside dining, says John? Well, I mean, you know the reasons why. It's about trying to have businesses survive, get back on their feet again. The ease of access to alcohol in large quantities is a contributing factor. Perhaps now is the time we need to revisit the age limit for purchasing alcohol off licenses and off trade. Increase the age to 24 while remaining at 18 for the on-trade controlled environment, like the pub, says Councillor Paddy Janine. Well, I think, Councillor, you probably would know that if young people want to get booze, they'll get it, regardless of the age limits. It's always been that way. Uh, Ask Jerry Buttermer why these scumbags aren't jailed for what they do. Uh, they're underage, most of them. Why is the city centre seen as a hangout for teenagers? This was never the case. It's not the parents' fault. More Gardee. Very simple, says Bob. A lot of the time, social media, Facebook, Twitter, um, um, that people get together online, they and their friends, and they organize a, an, an event or they organize a get together. It's done through social media for you and your mates, or people will know that there's a party or a gathering going on, and that's shared on social media. And that's why you have pinch points in big areas like that. And um, wasn't he the fellow that went on the golf jolly in Clifton last year with his vulture fund buddies? Uh, yes. Uh, how is Jerry commenting on rules when he broke them at Golfgate? Uh, he got a pay rise. Um, I accept all of that, um, and there was the Golfgate issue, and he apologized over and over and over again. When do we forgive and forget, guys? Is there any point when somebody is allowed to just apologize and, and move on, I wonder? Your thoughts are welcome. And that text 868 106 Mary, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Were you in town Friday, daytime? Um, I was Friday. I had a hair appointment at 5.30. Okay, this is what um, I want to hear, actual people who've been in and their, and their yeah. thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah. So Friday was raining. Friday afternoon was raining. I parked my car, walked down by the boardwalk, down by the Grand Parade, and I have to say, it, it was very uncomfortable. This was at Bishop, This was at the Peace Park, was it? Um, around there, yeah, I was going to Tokyo Street. That's where I was actually going to. Okay. Um, there was gangs everywhere, everywhere. No, I didn't see any trouble. But, um, when you say gangs, though, because I'm around that area a lot of the time, I see bunches of people with coffee, and late in the day they might oh. be having a beer. Like that, you well, know. No, Neil, this was five thirty. They weren't having coffee. I can tell you. Um, and no, I felt very uncomfortable. There was a gang then, kind of congregated outside the city car park. Um, there was somebody coming out. Now the security guard asked them to move. They did move, but. No, Neil, it was very, very different. It was raining on Friday and there was crowds everywhere. But what everywhere. were they doing? What were they doing that made you feel unsafe? <sighs> um, I just felt the whole environment. It, Neil, this, was, this wasn't even six o'clock. It wasn't even six o'clock is where I'm coming from. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like I... I understand it's tough on young people now because they're like they can't go to homes. They were outdoors, so let's give them that. But no, I felt at six o'clock for town to be that busy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it got very busy Saturday, no, Friday, and Saturday night. No, Friday night, no, only at six o'clock, and there wasn't a garden fish. And as I say, Neil, they weren't having coffee. They were not having coffee. Like just to be very clear, but 
Um, what were they having? Were they having anything or just hanging around? Well, sure. I, I, it's not up to me. I'm not taking high mile ground at all. Like I don't want to be like a cherry bottom or so. Um, but no, Neil, I did feel very uncomfortable. For whatever reason, you felt uncomfortable and unsafe. I would. I, I yeah, I was on my own, and I, I did, I did feel uncomfortable. Now I did walk down to um, part of the street. I just wanted to pick something up, even if the shops were open. Neil, I wouldn't have hung around. That's not. That's just the way I feel about it. Okay. okay. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, I didn't see any problems or anything like that. But it, it just wasn't pleasant. It was like unpleasant. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. very unpleasant. Um, and I, uh, I don't know. I, I just felt any minute anything could just have taken off, and I don't know why I got that feeling. But that was a feeling you got nonetheless, and you can't control your feelings. It, it, it was, and like I love town. You know, I have no interest in going to the shopping centres. I love town. I wouldn't be running into town again. You know, in a hurry, not on a Friday evening. All right. Okay. No, Thanks for that. Much obliged to you. Thank, Thank you, Mary. Have a good weekend. Uh, interesting emails. One on um, the uh, issue involving the Blair family. The brutal murder of Cameron Blair shocked the people of Cork. The conviction yesterday of Noel Barry for making threats to kill against uh, the Cameron's family, the mother and family, seems very lenient with regards to sentencing. That offence carries a 10-year maximum sentence on indictment in the circuit court. Noel Barry received a fraction of that maximum sentence. There seems to be very little in mitigating factors that justify a two-year sentence and a lot of aggregating, aggregate, aggravating factors that justify a much harsher sentence. Cameron Blair was acting as a peacemaker on the night he was killed. I really think that the threats made were both cruel and cowardly with a good deal of premeditation. This further exacerbated the suffering of a grieving family and was directed at Cameron Blair's mother. This week on radio, Senator Buttermer decried the state of the city centre with gangs of youths congregating in an intimidating manner and a lack of guard response to the problem. Does this sentence really act as any kind of deterrent? Says Emmett, feel free to read out my email on your programme. I do not have any connections with the case. And one other email then. Thank you for that, Emmett. I just watched Primetime about the mother who took her children's lives and it hit home so hard. This is the case of Deirdre Morley, found not guilty of murder by way of insanity. Um, this lady says, I was, a, I was a single mother of two children, bringing them up completely on my own, with no help from anyone. When they were five and nine, I hit the lowest I ever felt. For weeks, all I could think about was how hopeless I was as a mother. Then the thoughts entered my mind about how we would be better off not being here. I can tell you the future looked bleak. In my mind... I was thinking of a way I could, without pain, take us all together as I couldn't face going without my kids. I mean, that's harrowing. Thankfully, I decided to speak to my GP. I didn't tell her what I was planning, but I told her how low I was feeling. My GP was my saviour. She put me on meds immediately, phoned me every day. Slowly, the cloud lifted. Fifteen years on, my children are grown up and now doing amazingly. I'm in a great place. But my heart breaks for that mother because that was me. I'd hate to think what would have happened if I hadn't reached out and spoken to my doctor. She saved me and my children. Looking back, what I thought at the time, I really believed. I couldn't see any way out. A lot of people won't understand what that mother was going through, but I certainly do. God will forgive her. Thank God I was able to speak out 
and get help. And I am so thankful every day that I did. And that email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. You bet your line's open. 1850-104-106 is right. Mike, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you, Mike? Good. Interesting one here, Phyllis. Says, I worked next to the Peace Park for seven months on a construction job, and I wouldn't walk to Subway for lunch on my own for fear of a fight or worse in the city. Um, your thoughts? I understand 100%. Where do you live? I'm living in the South Parish. And you wouldn't go north of the Lee or onto the island after 4pm. Why? Why? Uh, in the last 10 years at least, I knew. You take your life in your own hands. I'm a small bit disabled, right? I yeah. have to use a cane and what have you. I'm a young man. But... I feel very intimidated walking around. You just don't feel the, the, the love anymore. There's no, there's, there's no gratitude, or not, not gratitude. What I'm saying, there's, there's no, um, there's no feeling of, of, of peace in the city centre anymore. Even going to Tesco's there in, in Paul Street, go and get and get a few bits and pieces. It's frightening. In what way is it frightening? It's the intimidation of, of, of is it an, is it the atmosphere? It's kind of like um, it's, it's the atmosphere. Can you remember back in the eighties? You know, way back in the day. I mean, we we were you know we were problems back then. What have you? But it's African, very bad now. Like. But maybe it's just in the last twelve months with everything shot. A lot of other cities had the that's same problem. True. That's true. God knows. Yeah, I understand that hundred percent. Yeah, God knows. You, do you feel that you'll get that you'll get robbed or, or hassled or pushed or to be honest, the, the last thing the last time anything happened to me was uh, I got my hip broke, you know. And that was just from walking around. You weren't pushed or anything, you, you fell, is it? Oh I was. Oh I was actually attacked in the city in the streets of Cork. I was in the hospital for three months, I lost my house. Was practically homeless. From an assault? Yes, indeed. And the same young man, I didn't want to press charges because I felt sorry for him because he was homeless himself. And I said, okay, let him out. You know what I mean? There's no point in carrying on with this kind of carry on. Well, I mean, that was charitable of you, but what happened? I mean, did he try and rob you and push you to the ground and break your hip no, is that he, it he just clocked me and bang I went down I was weak enough you know and when I hit the ground I got up it was all a cotton camera just, lot. just a random punch was it that was it oh my god all a cotton camera that's horrific and you didn't press charges because he was homeless <laughs> It wasn't just because he was homeless. Right. I, I, I feel I, sorry I was, for him. I just kind of, you know, he was he was a, a young fellow from abroad. And I lived abroad myself a long time ago. Yeah, you don't think these kind of characters need to be taken off the street, though? Oh, I tell you what, Neil. I tell you what, if I had a strength, I would have strangled him. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I'm not well, suggesting not, you should do that. I, mean, but I would have slapped him. I would have slapped him. No, the problem is that, you know, he got away with what he did to you. Does that allow him license to do it to somebody else is my point, you know? No, but he was sent back to Poland. That can happen, yeah. You're guilty, but we won't put you to jail if you get out of the country fast. Yeah. Yeah, get out back and that was it. I put you know. So do you come into the city anymore now, Mike? Um, Neil, I, I, I'm only hop, skip and a jump. I'm living in South Parish. So I go up and down, you know. And I and I go up and down we I I, I rely on taxis. To be very honest with you, but I don't I don't feel sad. That's sad. That's sad. I don't, I don't, and you know, I'm a young man. You know, I'm, a, I'm in my mid uh, mid fifties. Fifties, yeah, yeah. And you know, and and it's very sad because I grew up in the city centre. I grew up in South Parish. You know, and Lango. You know, it was great. You know, what I mean, you see a huge change. All right, okay. Oh, I'm mad. Okay, well, look after yourself. Look after yourself. Thanks very much, Neil, for, for listening to me. And you. You're more than welcome. Lovely catching up with you. And sorry about what happened to you. Look after yourself, Mike. Back after 10. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Emerald Music Station of the Year. Cork's Red FM. Okay, uh, Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. Some shout-outs then. We'll have three winners again this morning. Each winner receives four pizzas and sides, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. Morning to everybody, including Noel Buckley and all of the gang in Savile Men's Wear all over Plunker Street. Love listening to the show. Always on in the store. Would love some pizza. Great to have you back, guys, on Oliver Plunker Street. KRS Competitions, Cork-based company. Morning, Keith. Um, a lovely one here for Selena. A shout-out for Free Food Friday. She's me ma'am, says Jordan. She's really amazing. Working from home since COVID started. No idea I'm nominating her. It would be a lovely surprise. Morning to everybody in Amari Ireland, Ireland on the Tremor Road. She and Butchers in Glanmire. Sick and make it lunches every day for myself and the hubby. Um, talking about you, Shane. She's talking about you. Cork Hygiene Limited on Sarsfield Road, Trevor Toolhar, Victoria, Victoria Road, Allied Profiles in Mallow are listening, JNS Automotives in Little Island are listening, everybody working from home for UCC, particularly Maura Murphy in Ballancolic, everybody at Collins Barracks, in particular Joe O'Mary, Fusion Hair Design on Shandon Street, Floor 2 of St. Finbar's Hospital, full-time care for my mother who's been fully vaccinated this week, so pizza would be great, says Dennis, the Brothers, Brothers of Charity Daycare staff are listening, St. Teresa's Warder listening. Uh, at the Mercy, uh, John Mack at MB Transport, PMC Commercials in Ballonhasic, Auto Solutions in Little Island, and they'll share the pizza with Desi's Tires, Anglesey Street Garda Station, Republic of Works on the South Mall. Great to see people coming back to us after working from home for so long. What a great text. Thank you, Caroline, Margot and Angie at Republic of Works. Uh, what else have I got for you? Everybody at Ashgrove Waste Disposal, Safety Tech Fire, St. Luke's Nursing Home in Mahan, Hobart AV Pound in Goulds Hill Mallow, Hennessy Hair and Beauty, Sarsfield Road. And there's a pizza party being organized by Jody in Fair Hill. And me mam is dying to taste the pizzas. Be a great treat for the family Eurovision party tomorrow night, even though Ireland aren't in it. Uh, who else have I got? My daughter's 16 today. She's having a little party later. It would be a lovely treat, says Caroline in Middleton. So we'll do more shout-outs again in about a half an hour's time. But because time will get away from me, do, I'm going to do this now, and I'll get back to the phone calls then in a minute, if you don't mind. Now, earlier in the week, we were doing, uh, we had some fun, a lot of fun in the air. Some of it was text, but a lot of it was phone calls. 
uh, I was asking you, would you ever, this started because I was saying, wouldn't it be great if there was a, a, an untweet button or a delete button of a text so that you could get something back or an email that you could erase after you'd sent it? I was wondering, did anybody ever send emails make phone calls, send texts that they then regretted. And we got some great calls. And I had some Oak Fire Pizza vouchers on those. Now, obviously, I can't give it to everybody, but to uh, the following people, we have uh, pizza for you, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. To Brian, he, sa- he said, my dad and his buddy used to go drinking in the sextant and he used to send a text saying, sex at four, question mark, to his buddy. But he sent it to his, uh, to um, some a buddy's elderly sister who happened to be a nun pizza for that um, another one here this is the one how's your willy son used to phone uh, to send a text to his brother he used my phone to send the text my son um, the text actually said how's your willy uh, but he didn't send it to the brother he sent it to a taxi driver with the same Christian name so the taxi driver rang me ma'am says and says uh, I didn't know you were thinking about me that kind of cringy phone conversation almost like half interested so that gets pizza what else um, the, remember the, the, the story from Claire who had a house share with the girl who was um, constantly using the washing machine constantly using the tumble dryer she would even just wash her smalls um, at, and at one stage there was just one pair of knickers in the tumble dryer so she sent a text to a mate freaking out and giving out about it but she didn't send it to her mate she sent it to the girl in the house with her. So, there was picture no sound there for a while. We got pizza for that. Um, To the chap who was buying a house and got in touch with the estate agent, the estate agent then got on to the seller and sent this text. I'm the, he said, that langer is on looking for the letter. But he didn't sell it to the seller, send it to the seller, he sent it to the buyer. Um, That gets a text. Uh, my husband one night when he was at work telling him I was ready I was ready from when he to come home and I told him what he could expect without uh, getting into too much detail the text was for his eyes only kind of text you have no idea what I'm going to do to you when I get you home she didn't send it to her husband she sent it to her daughter's soccer coach bang that gets a text another one here uh, this is the the text um, that came in from, forgive me, my friend in college a few years ago bought sexy undies and texted her son's music teacher instead of her husband. Um, kisses the whole lot. That gets, so two in particular there. One is to a music teacher and the other is to a soccer coach. Another one is to a nun. So all of those get pizza, courtesy of ourselves, and Oak Fire Pizza. So thank you for all that. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. Uh, this uh, HSE hack, of course, um, has fundamental uh, changes to people's appointments within the hospital system. There's a story in the Echo this morning. Uh, I mentioned it earlier on. It's the story of Jill Byrne, her son, Keen, his Keen Byrne, I should say. And he's a typical example of a little lad who has been waiting and waiting and waiting for a long-awaited health appointment. I think he was having an MRI today, a very important MRI. And that appointment has been cancelled as a result of the HSE hacking crisis. So this is the severe impact it's having on people of all ages, incidentally, but the most vulnerable being hit again. But hackers don't care about anything like that. Uh, here is another example, actually. Sarah Phillips is on line, line one, and her daughter's got an appointment this morning. I'll put the question Sarah has to Rona Murphy from Smart Tech in a minute. But Sarah, good morning. Morning. What's your predicament? Um, I'm just wondering, um, like, the... What, um, where I'm going to go 
go about how you have an important you have an important appointment in the COH today for your daughter tomorrow uh, Monday Monday, Monday yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay yeah okay okay um, so I just want to know how I'll find out whether it's cancelled or not have they been um, in touch with you to say that the appointment was cancelled no and I've rang the general um, admin office for the last two to three days and I've been on the phone more than an hour on there and it's just ringing and ringing and ringing. Okay, so you have been trying by phone. I think the general advice, I believe, was that if you haven't heard that it's cancelled, you turn up. Okay. You know, if they haven't told you not to come, you go for the appointment. Okay, so you'd advise to just turn up? Well, the last update that I got from the HSE is that if you have an appointment and they haven't been in touch with you by whatever means to tell you that it's cancelled, it means that the appointment is still on. But you were, and but I'll I'll get that clarified in a few minutes' time for you. But you were also worried about your daughter's info, the information that they have on her. Is it? Well, like if I if I thought they said check your appointment, you know, on the on the HSE website and if I entered my daughter's information on the website I was just wondering would it be safe you know if I was entering um, my daughter's name and stuff could I would it be safe to enter it to see whether her appointment was still um, going ahead or not So can you do that can you just enter in information and it'll tell you whether or not the appointment is cancelled or not yeah well, I, I thought I thought you could do that because that's what, what I heard, but um, that's why I was trying to get some clarification okay, on okay. Where, where and what I do. Okay, and you're, you're you're an example of of confusion and unknown, and also Jill Byrne is with regards to her son Keen, who who has had been t- who they have been told that their appointment was cancelled. You haven't. Okay. Yeah? So, yeah. so yeah. S- stay listening if you don't mind. I'll talk to Ronan, uh, Ronan Murphy, who's the Groove Chief Executive with Smart Tech. Uh, they're front and centre in all of these kind of things when it comes to cyber attacks and ransoms and, you know, um, criminal gangs like this. I spoke to him earlier in the week. Ronan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, for, uh, I'll come back to this issue in a few minutes' time. What is what is this business about the description, the decryption codes that have been given to the HSE to allow them to unlock the system? Talk to me about that. Yeah, it's a, it's a ray of light in what is otherwise a very dark situation. Um, and it's a very unex- unexpected turn of events. I um, It's fascinating. So the, the, the gang, Wizard Spider, um, apparently have just gifted the uh, decryptor to the Irish government. And um, there's, a, there's a number of people speculating on different reasons why, why, why that had, would have happened. Um, some people are speculating that the Irish government made a payment either directly or indirectly or through a third party. And some people are speculating that potentially the gang are being put under pressure by the Russian government. Um, and other people are speculating that the gang have decided due to the the outcry that this is causing that it's bad for business and and therefore um, they needed to uh, they need to take the temperature down a bit. So there's a number of different people speculating. The um, government has said incidentally that no ransom has been paid. Should we yeah, believe them? Yeah. Ah, look, I'm, I'm taking them for their word, right? In 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 in, in what they said, but. Um, I mean, you have to be, who knows? I mean, 
they're saying they haven't done it. I, I think, look, I, I think if they did, it would probably come out. So it would be it would be a very brave thing to you know to to say they haven't and and then for it be, to be discovered that it had. So um, perhaps they didn't, and perhaps um, there's but there's definitely pressure coming from somewhere. Um, for, for some reason, I suspect it's pressure coming from the Russian government. But doesn't that mean that the Russian government know who they are then? Yeah, well, I mean, the the, the, Rus- the Russian government know who these guys are all of all of the time. I mean, these guys. See, what you have to understand is it's not just merely Russian criminals operating from Russian soil. The state, Russia, has cultivated an environment and it's encouraged kind of low-intensity conflict by using these guys' ransomwares. It's politically destabling. Um, it challenges the notion that our government can secure our assets, and in this case, they've, pro- they've proven right. But they do that in many countries, from North America to throughout Europe, through Asia. And it, it, it's a very powerful tool for the Russian government um, to create friction within countries. And funnily enough, Ireland has a, quite a warm relationship with Russia. Um, and for that reason, I mean, if, if you're to really drill into this, uh, I, I have a feeling that the Russian government has said, no, you know what, we, we like the Irish... Um, you know, getting their keys back. Okay. Uh, They could also be taunting the country, couldn't they? Or taunting the government saying, here are the keys to unlock it, but it doesn't mean that we've gone away. We'll just come back and do it again. But here are the keys to show you how serious we are now. No, 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 no. That that assumption wouldn't be correct, Neil. They have, for them to conduct this exercise is an expensive endeavour. they they have to put a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of risk, a lot of cost into successfully infiltrating the organisation, taking the data, and then going through all of the negotiation with all of the high-stakes poker that's associated with that and, you know, potential prison if you're caught and all the things that go with it. Um, it's not a game for them, right? So they, they take it very seriously. There is a reason why they have given the decryptor, um, and that is because there is pressure on them. That pressure is coming from somewhere. You've never heard of this happening before with ransom. Um, it's, it's so some countries like Germany said Germany said came out and it happened to one of their hospitals and they said oh they rang them and they told them that it was a hospital and it wasn't a university but for, quite frankly I just don't believe that. I mean it's very embarrassing to pay ransoms and and therefore if you pay it when when private companies do it they do it privately and nobody ever hears about it. When governments do it, it's very embarrassing, so they try to bury it like the Germans said they didn't pay, that, that the, the criminals were confused and that they thought it was a university and in fact it was a hospital. That's Quite frankly, that's rubbish. These um, guys know exactly who they're attacking. I read an amazing article yesterday, I believe it was in the Irish Times, and because they were trying to work out how it got into the system in the first place and they said that it was on one computer terminal within the HSE where somebody who has, was having difficulty switching on or off their machine um, was contacted by what she thought was a software engineer that, that, that who was helping her to, him or her to fix it. No, I think that article is factually incorrect as well. Um, like there's a lot, there's a lot of things being said at the moment that are just factually incorrect. What what that was was somebody who had come in, had turned on their computer, and had realised that this had already happened. So oh, that's not what the article. The article was completely different to that, saying that this person was, was back and forth. With the cyber criminals no, no. unbeknownst to that person. No, that, that article is completely wrong. See, what you have to understand, right, is to encrypt and extract hundreds of gigabytes of data takes hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. It could take three days. 
So um, if, if you were dealing with these guys in real time while they were doing it, um, you could very easily stop it. You could literally go to your computers and plug them out of the wall and that would stop it. So I read that article and it was nonsensical. Whenever that it, it, that communication happened, the damage was done, the data was gone, the files were encrypted. That was post the damage being done. Okay, okay. This stuff doesn't happen in real time. It's it, like it, it takes hours to execute. And has anybody like has anybody tested to see whether the codes that they've given are real? Well, so they're not codes, it's a decryptor, it's a program you have to run. Oh, uh, yeah, but I think I'm trying to keep, okay, well, thank you for that. I'm just yeah, trying to keep it so, simple, so, but whatever they have. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you run the decryptor, they're, they're typically really buggy and they're, they're, they can be problematic. But my assumption is that it is working. Um, if we had heard, I was actually on a call with two hospitals with an IT team who are frazzled and they've been, they haven't slept in four days and under unbelievable pressure. I've never seen anything like that. When the news came through, they had decryptors, that the decryptor had come through and to see Sani wiping of assets and the deletion of assets. And I couldn't believe the, the relief like you could see on their faces. So um, my assumption is that it's working. Um, and uh, while it's going to still be problematic and time consuming to get everything back up and running, I would ass- my assumption, and having dealt with this on previous occasions, I would say it will uh, get them back up and running 70% quicker than it would have been if they did not get to the decryptor. So when, if this is working and it's running and they get all of their data back, uh, when will things be back to normal? Is there a time frame in that regard? So you have two problems, right? Your first problem is you need to decrypt the data, right? That's just files like Word documents and all different file extensions. But then you've got to kind of get the systems back running, right? And the systems are radiology machines and chemotherapy machines and dialysis machines. And and sometimes if they've been disabled because the data wasn't available, that can be a little bit more time consuming and that's obviously a bit of a headache. But then you have a third problem and that third problem is you have to be bloody sure this doesn't happen again, right? Yeah. So you have to look at every hospital, you have to look at every department, and you have to really double down on security. You have to monitor it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You have to understand everything that's happening. And that's tricky for hospitals. They have a lot of old systems. They have a lot of complex systems. You know, these CAT scanners and all these machines are difficult. They're managed by Siemens and GE and these big international companies. So so there's a number, there's a number of... There's it's a number complex, of things that have to yeah. Con- It's complex, yes, it's complex. You know the hackers with all of this information that they have belong to the HSE and patients and internal memos and budgeting and all this kind of everything they have. What do they do do with that information? I mean, how do they monetize that? Like if they have files on patients? Quite quite frankly, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be an absolute nightmare. Um, So what they'll do is they'll go into into an ecosystem and they'll put it for sale. So there's different buyers within that ecosystem. But what do they want to buy? Like, why is it of value to anybody? Well, if you have a sexually transmitted disease and they wanted to blackmail you, if you had an abortion and they wanted to blackmail you, if you had, if they wanted, you did your financial information and they wanted to commit, you know, social security fraud. Ah, these guys, yes. These guys, are, these guys are experts in taking data and monetizing it. That's what they do for a living. And there's different buyers who, buy data for different reasons, I mean. But but it's important, right? I, I, okay, I've made quite a broad statement in what I've just said there, but the profile of the data 
hasn't been fully disclosed. They know there's data that's got out there, right? So, look, really, who cares how much a piece of equipment costs? That's not the end of the world because that's one of the pieces of data which they dumped out there. What's more important is data that's been dumped out there, which is health records specific to individuals. So it's to blackmail the individual. That's what I was trying to find out what it was. Because I would have thought it would have been boring, but you're saying they actually will blackmail the person who's health yeah, there, file there's, they have. There's, there's, there's ways to monetize this. These guys can find ways to monetize absolutely anything, you know. Okay, okay. And are you aware of this this comment during the week that lawyers and solicitors and barristers are licking their lips to sue the state? Is is there any truth in that? Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I've heard the comment, but look, I mean, you know the law is the legal system as well as I do. I mean, um, you know, it's it's um, it, I, you know, this I, would be a GDPR thing, surely, wouldn't it? It's GDPR. Well, it, it is GDPR, but I think GDPR is the least of the problems. Um, I, I mean, that's that, that's kind of a bigger macro type problem. Um, there's, a, there's a much bigger problem here if you're if you're if you get compromised by one of these guys because they get the bit between the teeth and they have all of your personal information. Um, but but no, they already I, have it. Did did the guys the bad guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they do, but we don't know what they have, see? You see, it's fine giving the keys to unlock the system, but they already have the data to to carry on with their blackmailing, don't they? Or selling. They, they, they do, Neil, that's, that is correct, but, but you need to caveat that with one important point. The profile of the data, people don't fully know what that is. Now, they said it's 700 gigabits. That's a lot. That's a lot of data. But it's not the data of every single citizen in the country. That data Okay, what do they have? Yeah, yeah. So are we yeah, over exactly. the worst of this now, do you think? Um, so I would say that from the perspective of the hospitals, they still have a significant challenge ahead of them to get up and running and get operational. And that's still going to be uh, timely and problematic and expensive. And there's a lot of lessons going to be have to learned by the HSE from this. But... I think the data problem that's been dumped out there, I think that's going to run and run. Um, and I think that's going to be problematic. They will move on to the individuals and their files then and the potential to get money out of them with blackmail. Yeah, you'd have to assume that that will be the logical next Bloody step. hell. But what the heck is this key about? Why would they give this information if the uh, ransom hasn't been paid? Look again, you, you, need, you, need, you, need to, uh, you need to weigh up the options and they are somebody either gave them money um, Somebody put them under pressure, um, whether it was criminal organisations who wanted to stay below the, the spotlight and didn't want didn't want this much heat, or else it was the Ru- Russian government who contacted them and said, listen, we like the Irish, um, they're, they're under pressure getting their keys back. Okay. Any thoughts on... Legitimately could be any one of those three. Any one of those three. Okay. And, and any thoughts on then, with regards to people wondering about cancellations and appointments, uh, you're, is that anything you're across? No, look, it's as you said yourself, Neil, you know, if you haven't, I, I, I believe the advice is if you haven't received a cancellation, then you turn up. It's not the case that everything's cancelled unless you hear it's going ahead, no? Yeah, I, I don't know, Neil. Don't know. I, I, you know, I, I haven't been involved in that side of it. We've been kind of buried in the, in the other side of it, to be honest. Have you seen the, the actual evidence firsthand of how hospitals individually are struggling because of this? Oh Jesus! We've been buried in this. We've been buried in the twenty-four hours a day since Thursday. Just, we all look like we've we haven't slept in in a week. Um, well, I mean, we've seen we're dealing with some hospitals who've been absolutely ravaged 
I mean, they're destroyed, absolutely destroyed. We're dealing with other hospitals that are have defended very well against it, but all of their central systems are disconnected, so they can't access patient systems and so forth. But I mean, I'm I'm, I'm honestly in a state of awe at how hard the the IT and security guys in the hospitals have been working. I mean, I, I said it on Twitter, they're mirroring the effort that's been put in by the doctors and nurses during the pandemic. I mean, they're, they're, they, they really have been just, I mean, they need to get sleep or they're going to burn out. I mean, I've been saying it to them, it's been incredible to watch. A lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. Um, Indeed. It's life or death. Like, yeah, it's literally like everything's death. handwritten, I suppose, is it now? Whatever they're doing is handwritten. Yeah, but these guys are, I mean, these, these guys in, 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 in the IT part of the business, their job is to get these servers back up and running. It's trying to get the hospital operational. It's trying, trying to get surgeries to go ahead, chemotherapy to go ahead, dialysis to go ahead, CT scans to go ahead. Yeah. And all these systems are complex and interconnected. And it's just, I mean, it's incredible the pressure these guys have been under. All right, listen, we'll stay in touch with you. Thank you for the latest update. Bizarre and all as it is. Ronan, have a good day. Nice weekend. Talk soon. Cheers. Ronan Murphy, who's uh, chief exec with uh, Smart Tech. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. I will... Uh, I will check. I mean, it's it's a live program, but we'll do the best we can to check as to what the story is with appointments, whether they're cancelled if you do hear or cancelled if you don't hear, if that even makes sense. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prinderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Could I just see those texts, actually, because uh, we are going to make a call and endeavour to find out what the story is, because one caller is saying on the air a few minutes ago that uh, phone lines aren't being answered when you call, and then other texters are saying differently if you just page down so I can see those couple of texts that came in there with regards to appointments please get patients to contact the number on their appointment letter because our diagnostic tests in cardiology are not going ahead and we can't get into the computer to see if it's if to see to see if you're booked in the media information currently is very misleading thank you well thank you for that update and that's from cardiology but people are ringing phone numbers and they're not being answered I'm told please tell me your patients appointments are all cancelled unless they're told otherwise from the hospital. Look at the HSE website. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a response from HSE and just try and nail this and just find out one way or the other in the next hour or so. My friend uh, went up for bloods uh, and the heart clinic, but was turned away once she got there. She came all the way up from you all. There's a selection of, uh, of text, but I will come back to it and I will get clarity. The, um, now, Ronan spoke of three different scenarios as to why they gave the... Um, the codes back or gave them the a way of, you know, the encryption codes. There is a fourth that I was told of earlier in the week. And the fourth reason could have been pressure from other hackers on the dark web that many other hackers were watching what this gang were doing to Ireland. And it's they put pressure on the hackers. So it was other hackers worked hard and got it resolved and forced the criminal gang to give the encryption keys to the Irish health system. So it could have been that as well, that the blackmailers were coming under enormous pressures, pressure from other hackers within the dark web who felt this was just a step too far. It's fine to go after business, they would have thought. It's fine to go after commercial activity, etc., but not a country's people and their health system. And that it was other hackers in the dark web that forced the pressure, forced the hands of the cyber criminals to give the HSC its, um, its encryption keys. But that's just a fourth scenario. Who knows? I mentioned earlier on um, Jill Byrne, whose son Keen, Keen Byrne's appointment was, was cancelled. The story makes the, the echo today. I've actually got her by phone, so she might be able to give us a little bit of clarity. 
Chill, good morning. Morning, how are you? I'm well. So you had an appointment, or at least Keen did, for a- an MRI scan, was it? Yeah, this morning we were to be in um, to have an MRI to check for arthritis. You know, he has Down syndrome, so it's um, and a type of arthritis um, for children with Down syndrome. So it's an MRI for his legs they were going to be doing today. And while having the MRI under general anaesthetic, he was going to have a, a cardiology, an echo on his heart. Okay, and I bet you were but, waiting for that for a long time? Well, we have. We, 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 we tried to have the echo done in Crumlin there in February. He'd been in, he had been a bit unwell but unfortunately the light sedation that he tried he, it didn't knock him enough to sleep to, to have him relax enough to have a cardiology appointment yes, and yes. the echo done so um, when we did get the MRI for, for this morning it was fantastic because it was going to cover the echo we were going to have his bloods done and we were going to have the MRI for um, to check if there is arthritis um, in the legs so it was going to be like a good NCT you know for I know, job sure. I know. One they shot, were doing look, a lot yeah they were doing yeah. a lot and along came this cyber grant gang and yes. destroyed everything how yeah. how did you find out that it was cancelled so I presumed at the start I heard that all the appointments for the Monday and Tuesday had been cancelled with Crumlin and Cork and things like that so I was praying that it was just going to affect the Monday and Tuesday appointments but I rang um, the CUH and they had informed me that it was cancelled. Then later on that morning, we say late afternoon, I was rang again to say yes, it was cancelled. So I rang first to check and then another lady rang me back to confirm it was. Um, so that's how I knew it was cancelled. And do you think that the HSE, under the pressure they're under, I appreciate that, are they telling people whether things are cancelled or not or are people just to assume everything's cancelled unless they hear otherwise? It's very hard because, like, I we also had another appointment for a near nose and throat appointment. I've been ringing and ringing CUH about that appointment to know what's going on if if we were to, to go ahead or if it wasn't going ahead. And they, they don't really know... You know, they're saying all appointments aren't cancelled, but then people are going up and they are. So are you going to take a child up unnecessary to be turned away again, especially when yeah, it's, well, yeah. my son now with the fear of going to hospitals, It's and he's been in hospital for two weeks in February, so he's absolutely petrified of going in there. So it's too too much trauma, you know, unnecessary. If, if, I know if the misfortune. I see in the echo this morning, it said that he had COVID after Christmas um, yeah. and the condition when he went on to develop long COVID. Yeah, so he, he got very unwell in February. We couldn't control the temperatures. We, like, he wouldn't have speech great, you know, so his communication is very hard to tell you if he has pain. I know. So um, he was, like, getting very bad pains in his legs, headaches and things like that. So um, we couldn't control the temperatures, so we were we were in hospital for a few days. Then the Crumlin team were liaison and they wanted him up, so they took him up by ambulance to check the heart. And we were in Crumlin for four days, which ruled out that it wasn't this. They were thinking it was PIMS, you know, this kind of um, is is affecting children who had COVID afterwards, you know. But it, it wasn't that. Mm. But he had a lot of the symptoms mm. that were sim- similar to, similar to it. So mm. he they they hoped to have an echo there and then to check because Keen had open heart surgery as a child. So they were just every year we have an echo and. Last April gone, that was cancelled because of COVID, and oh, the April before that was cancelled because of COVID. So he really needs his he's annual. He's way overdue echo. the heart check, yeah. isn't he? 
So this was going to be done in Crumlin, but unfortunately he got very stressed out um, when anyone would go near him. And you have to lie still for an echo and you for the ECG, and that uh, was never going to happen. I so know. he got too worked up for two days, and we tried different sedations, and none of them worked. He went bananas. <laughs> so we went home without anything, but then the MRI was going to cover everything today then as well. So You must be very disappointed. I know that the staff are and the clinicians uh, and the sure doctors. Very hard. Yeah. My heart, I've, I've talked to nurses all week and I just feel they'd be clients of mine and their hearts are broken because they're limited. Their hands are tied as well. They can't even... Uh, we had an ophthalmology appointment uh, yesterday in Garnagorher um, that now was just to check if there was... Um, you know, a bit of swelling behind his eyes because he has glasses and things like that. And if, you know, that was yesterday. And I rang them again at the start of the week to check if it was cancelled or not. And the girl who answered was, oh my God, she said, thank God you rang. Because she said, we can't access your information she to even know who's coming in. She doesn't even know your, she has no, can't even ring you, sure. But they can't, they can't get her phone numbers yeah. or my name to say he yeah. is cancelled. So she was delighted that I could ring her check and that she could tell me that that was cancelled. Cancelled as well. Uh, yeah. For God's sake. And what do you make of, of the hackers, the cyber criminals? What do you think of them? I couldn't say no on here what I think of them. If I just, they're just what can you say? They're the most vulnerable again are being targeted. Sick people, sick adults, sick vulnerable children, special needs. You know, it's just Nobody wants to go to hospital. If you're in hospital, you're going there because you're sick or unwell or you're inquiring about something. And to, to target the most vulnerable... They don't it's, stop it's to think about that. No, they don't stop it, to of course think they about don't. That. It, yeah. There's inhumane, like... Okay, listen, um, Jill, thanks so much for taking the call. Do appreciate it. Uh, and love and big hugs to Keen as well. Let, let me stay with the phone lines if you don't mind. Cathy, good morning. Good morning, Ian. How Thank you? you so much for holding. Are you just out of CUH? Yeah. Okay. Sure am. And what was the experience like? Well, I had to go back because I was there previous four weeks ago with my daughter due to swollen lymph nodes in her neck and her tummy and her armpits. And they took a load of bloods and I was due back today to get a scan of her neck and to get a scan of her tummy and to get the blood results. Obviously, I couldn't get the blood results due to the hackers. And she was booked in for the two scans for the neck and the tummy, and they were both cancelled as well. So I don't know what was even the point of being up there. They did. So they, we were, did you ask as to what was the point then? Maybe they would have said to you, we can't access your file or your phone. There was no way to contact you. No, they, he, I said, look, I said, why was the point of me actually coming up here today? And when they knew that she was back in four weeks' time, they had her file, they have my number. So he just said, we just had to tell you face to face today. That was my answer. But that doesn't seem accurate to me. It probably had more along the lines that they didn't have your details and they couldn't contact you, you know? Oh, so well, when I went in the door this morning, they had my file out straight away. So how come they couldn't contact me then? <sighs> I know, I know. So no, ultra, know? no ultrasound? No, I have to go back now again in four weeks' time again to see can we get a scan done of her neck and her tummy and to see what were the blood results. I know, I know. Okay. All right, yeah. listen, thank you so much. Appreciate you taking the time to call okay, me after you much, came Nate. out of CUH. But I will endeavour to get um, uh, further clarification um, and hopefully it won't be too long, so hang in there for that. Text 0868104106 for all other info. Uh, cause and stories. We're back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM.
Okay, I've been looking at the uh, HSC website this morning. It's quite lengthy and uh, it's it's difficult to drill into, but I was just looking to say, for instance, at uh, at the CUH, um, and this is what they're saying at the at the CUH. If you have an X-ray appointment, do not attend unless we contact you to say that it's going ahead. Radiotherapy is cancelled uh, today. Uh, they give a whole load of phone numbers, um, which are all four two three numbers, and it's like oh two one four two three four double seven four. 4775, 4776, and 4777. So that's 021-433 and those 41-4774, 5, 6, and 7. They say, unless you are told it is cancelled, come to the hospital if you have an outpatient's appointment, if you have a surgery appointment, if you have a Warfin clinic appointment. Um, they're saying they're having delays accessing GP referrals for cancer services. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of vague, I know, because there are an awful lot of different reasons that people go to hospitals, but that's as much as I can find as an example at CUH. But I suppose um, the numbers that are given out are quite important to anybody that has an appointment until I, if I get updated information, I hope it would be 412, and that's the 021423 numbers. So it's 021423 4774. Five, six, and seven. Okay, uh, but I've got another hour, so I'll see if I can get further clarification on it with regards to what's on and what's off and what's cancelled and what's not. You can text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six to share your own stories. Hi Neil, please wish my husband Rory a happy forty first birthday. He's your biggest fan and wrecks my head with me telling what Neil says every day. Give him all our love, especially for me, his wife, Nia, daughters, Haley, Avery, and son, Ollie. Happy birthday, Rory. Happy 41st birthday. It's great to have a birthday on a Friday because you get to celebrate the birthday right across the weekend. And thanks for listening, pal. Okay, we'll do some more shout-outs for our Free Food Fridays as well. Uh, hopefully, I'll get another blast of those this side of uh, 11 o'clock. But um, maybe the one and only... Uh, Dr. John Sheehan may be able to clarify a little. Yet again, I've asked him to step out of surgery and he's done so. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Uh, I know that I kind of caught you on the hop and, and it's not clear because there are so many different types of appointment, but what do you understand the advice is from uh, the HSC, particularly to Cork hospitals? Generally, the advice is if you haven't heard from them, if they haven't phoned or contacted you and you have an appointment for some procedure, then the advice is to proceed with that procedure unless you hear otherwise. Um, there's particularly difficulty with labs, with radiology, and I know radiotherapy and oncology have had difficulties, but generally they've been really good at contacting people and letting them know if they've had to delay or postpone treatments or investigations. So unless you hear otherwise, you presume things um, are going ahead. Where there's real difficulty, Neil, is in, in the laboratories, things like blood work and things like that. That's been a nightmare for them, unfortunately, in terms of ordering x-rays and all the digital systems they have. That's really problematic. They're really trying to work to get that back on stream. But the general advice is, unless you hear otherwise, presume that your, your thing is going ahead because if they are cancelling or delaying you, they usually ring people and let them know. And they have access to people's contact details, do they, to do that? I mean, because I hear of people who showed up at the CUH this morning only to be told, go home, I think one person was there for an ultrasound, for instance. 
Absolutely, yeah. No, and that will happen, unfortunately, because as you as you know, most of the records are electronically, so they, they find it hard to get. They, you know, they're pulling the old records, the paper records, and then trying to get the contact details. But that's not going to work for everyone. So it will be hard. And I think to be fair to them and to patients, they're asking them to bear with them. They're trying their best to sort this out. This is a nightmare. Oh, sure. Everybody for, for understands. Everyone. There will yeah. be no criticism. They're working under incredible pressure. This is the consequence, of course, of the cyber attack itself. Um, so you're saying unless you've heard that it's cancelled, turn up. There might even be a chance when you turn up that it might be cancelled, but turn up anyway, apart from x-ray appointments, radiotherapy. Yeah, well, radiotherapy usually they will be in contact with because people usually have a... It's cancelled today. They, yeah, once, once, you know, that sort of thing. So they're usually very organised in terms of what they're doing. But, um, yeah, so that's really the, the situation. We've cancelled all our bloods here for the next week. All the practices have cervical screening, smears. They're all uh, delayed at the moment, referring people for routine things. We're putting all of that on hold because you don't want to be, you know, burdening them at this moment in time. So stuff that you can hold off on, everyone's trying to do that. Urgent stuff, emergency stuff still being seen. Appointment is that grey area. They're trying to get by. They're trying to do as much as they can. But some people, unfortunately, you're right, will show up and probably it might be cancelled. If they're waiting on a you know, result or labs or x-rays or things like that, it may, it may have to be delayed. Unreal, isn't it? Particularly for people yeah. who will be travelling long distances to the CUH to unfortunately have to go back home again. But It's so, really tough, yeah. So be it. Are you in contact with those within the hospital network and as to how they're coping? Yeah, we're getting, yeah, we are. We're getting, it's very, like, they're, they're going back, Neil, to writing things out on paper and highlighting stuff and posting stuff out. Um, so that's really what's happened. So unless it's something really urgent or critical, uh, we're, you know, we're holding off um, on doing that. We're lucky our own systems and most GP systems are kind of independent of the HSE. It's only when we have to do referrals or engage with the HSE or download stuff, we can't do that at the moment. Okay. All right. I'll let you get back to it. Thank you so much, John. As always, you're always very helpful, Dr. John Sheehan. If they haven't contacted you, um, it's presumed to be going ahead. Now, I will endeavour to get further clarification in the next hour, so hang in there. Despite all the chat about this cyber attack, no one has asked the government why in 2021 they were using Windows XP. Now, the one, what worries me about the entire attack is that these hackers have the information on HSE employees. Once they're paid today, what is to say their accounts won't be cleared out by these criminals on the same day, says Buddy. Well, there's a million different scenarios when you think about it, really, isn't there? A million of them. Okay, just a fast one this side of 11. Vincent, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm, I'm not so sure how much I'll get to chat with you now. I might come back after 11. But anyway, support local, is it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is the first weekend where the shops are open for a long, long time. And what I'm saying to the people of Cork and people of Cork County is that the independent retailers in the city have been through an incredibly difficult time. And I'm asking the people to come off the keyboards, come back into the city and shop with the independent retailers. I'm talking about people like Savile, Gentlemen's Quarters, who have given phenomenal service for four decades. Stop buying your clubber online, is it? Stop buying your clubber, stop buying your shoes, your runners, your trainers online. I'm saying it's a great experience to go into the city. Last Sunday morning, I booked an appointment with Just for Men for a hot towel shave. Got in there at 20 past 10, went for a stroll around after, had a cup of coffee. 
We have a beautiful city. You're hearing people saying that they're unhappy, that it's unsafe, particularly at the weekends. A lot too many, many, many people in there, a lot of gangs acting the maggot. That's another huge problem. And I would wake, it's a real wake-up call when you hear Barry Barry McPoland saying that parents would need to stop dropping their children into the city to go drinking. When Barry says that, we've got a problem. And the second one is Olin Kelleher. We got a real wake-up call when he said in court recently that we have a cocaine epidemic in the city. We need a real chat with ourselves in Cork. And we, re- we need real debate and real solutions 